This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We certainly appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. And in a special way are we happy to have those who may be watching today for their very first time. I hope that you'll stay tuned today as we discuss the topic, Free Indeed. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course and may I emphasize the fact that it is free. Thousands of people throughout the United States and many foreign countries are studying this Bible course and we'd like for you to have it so that you can learn more about the Bible. Now, in order that you might learn how to receive the free course and, I, and that you might know a little about, more about the course itself, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now a very short passage from the 8th chapter of John and in verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In the city of Philadelphia, that there is the Liberty Bell. I believe it was around 1950 that a number of duplicates of the Liberty Bell were made and distributed throughout the country. But, but it's, this is where the original Liberty Bell is found. That there are some words from the Bible on the Liberty Bell. They're taken from, from Leviticus, the 25th chapter and verse number 10. And if you read from the King James Version or even the New King James Version, from Leviticus 25, you, you find that those words are proclaim liberty throughout the land. If I'm not mistaken, on the Liberty Bell, it says proclaim liberty to all of the people. But those are the words on the Liberty Bell. And once a year in America, on the 4th of July every year, the American people celebrate their independence. They celebrate their liberty. And in order that we might keep from losing our liberty, we must be very vigilant. How thankful we ought to be for those who have made it possible for us to have the freedom that we have in this country. There are those that have paid the ultimate price in giving their lives that our freedom might be preserved. That there are men and women all around us in every walk of life who at one time or perhaps even still serve in the military and have made it possible for us to have our freedom. 
There are forces at work, however, today that would destroy every freedom that we hold dear. And our freedom to preach the Bible without any hindrance at all is under attack today. Freedom is never free. Our freedom costs someone something. It costs some woman her husband or a son or a daughter. It has cost some children their daddy. Freedom is never free. And there are restrictions on freedom. You cannot violate civil, moral, even spiritual law without receiving a penalty from the violation of that law. Now, from the standpoint of the Constitution of this country, you have the right to try to violate a law, to violate a civil law, to violate a moral law, a natural law, or a spiritual law. For example, you can try to defy the law of gravity. You're free to do that. But should you decide to do that, you're going to pay a price for the violation of the law. For example, if you were to get on a building that was 10 stories tall and decide that it was your freedom to jump off that building and to defy the law of gravity, you're free to do it. But there's a restriction on that freedom and the restriction will come to you quite suddenly when you hit the ground. You are free to violate God's spiritual law. But once you violate God's spiritual law, there is a price that is to be paid. Even God has put certain restrictions upon Himself. There are certain things God is not allowed to do. For example, just one illustration of that is in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. God cannot lie. So there are restrictions. And so we have this freedom today in our nation. And we need to do everything that we can to preserve our freedom. But there isn't anything that can begin to compare with the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at John eight thirty six again. If the Son therefore makes you free, you will be free... Indeed, freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus freed men from the yoke of bondage. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, and in verse number one, Paul was writing to these brethren about that Old Testament law, that is the law of Moses, and he referred to it in chapter, one, chapter five and verse one as being a, a yoke a yoke of bondage. Listen to him. Stand fast therefore in the liberty, that is the freedom, by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So we freed men from the yoke of bondage. The Old Testament law was that yoke. And then in verse 2 he said, Indeed I, Paul, say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I testify to every man who is circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You could not go back to that Old Testament law, nor could you do it even today, and decide that you just want some particular 
part of that law and not the rest of that law. Paul said you become a debtor to do the whole law. For example, if you were to go back to that Old Testament law and you were to say, well, I'd like to go back and I would like to, to keep the law with respect to the offering of animal sacrifices. Well, but then that was a part of the law. Well, then the Bible teaches that once you do that, you have become bound to keep the whole law. You couldn't pick and choose as you please. That was a purpose for that law. And the purpose was to bring men to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, someone says, if I go back to that law, what difference does it make? Look in verse 4, Galatians 5. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Oh, there was a purpose for that law that the Lord gave. Go back to Galatians, the third chapter. And in verse number 19, it was added because of transgression till the seed should come. Well, what was the seed? If you'll notice in your Bible, the word seed in that passage is capitalized. He's talking about a specific seed. Well, the seed is mentioned in verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed, which is Christ. Now the law was added because of sin, because of transgression, till the seed, that is Christ, should come. Well, now what would happen after Christ would come? Well, would we still have that law? Look in verses 24 and 25. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Well, what was the tutor? The law. The fact is, men are now justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 26. For you all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So inasmuch as we're no longer uh, justified by that law, we are freed from that yoke of bondage. All of those who lived during that dispensation of time, when the law of Moses was binding upon humanity, the men now are freed from that yoke. They are freed from the yoke of bondage. When Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary, He died to free men from that yoke. Listen to Paul in Colossians, the second chapter, beginning in verse number 14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way. It was in the way. He said he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and power. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, that is one of those Old Testament ones, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. My friend, when Jesus died on that cross, shedding His blood upon the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ took that law out of the way, 
and He freed men from that law. I want to call your attention to the book of Hebrews in the 8th chapter, beginning in verse number 6. Now, He has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as He is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant, that's the law of Moses, had been faultless, that is perfect, then no place would have been sought for a second. Inasmuch as it was imperfect, there was a need for another one. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So the Lord says, this is not going to be the law that I gave to Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai. Now verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. It's going to be a heart-written law, not written on tables of stone. And then verse 11, None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Under that first dispensation of time, the mosaical dispensa- that dispensation of time, men first were born into the Jewish economy and later they were taught to know the Lord. Today, in the Christian age, you first know the Lord. You're taught to know the Lord. And so you're from the least to the greatest. And then the, one of the blessings, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now verse 13 is so key. In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first, that's the law of Moses, obsolete. How much of it? Every bit of it. Now that which is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to do what? Vanish away. My friend, Jesus Christ freed men from that law. He also frees men from sin. Go and take, in your, take your Bibles now and, and turn with me to the 6th chapter of Romans, beginning at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, live any longer therein, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ, We're baptized into His death, therefore we're buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been uh, uh, buried with Him in baptism, we're going to be raised with Him, and we're going to be raised with Him to walk in newness of life. He frees us from sin. Look at verse 7. He that is dead is freed from sin. What does He free us from? He frees us from old habits that we might have, old sins that we've committed, attitudes that we have that are ungodly attitudes. He can free us from addictions. He can free you from the guilt of sin. He can free you from the penalty of sin. You see, when we obey the gospel, we're made free from sin. Look look in Romans, the sixth chapter again. This time look in verses 17 and 18 of Romans, the sixth chapter. Now keep in mind, He says, Therefore we're buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, that is, in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, 
that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. Who is it that's no longer the slave of sin? Verse 2, the man who's died to sin. Now verse 7, for he who has died has become freed from sin. Now notice verses 17 and 18. Follow along with your Bible as we read. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, they were not now, but they had been, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of unrighteousness. Formerly they were slaves of the devil. They were servants of Satan. Now they're servants of Christ. Formerly they were in bondage to sin. And now they are set free from sin because they have obeyed the gospel. By dying to sin, verse 2, by being baptized into Christ, into His death, verse 3, and by being raised to walk in the newness of life in verse 4. I want you to know, my friend, that Jesus Christ frees men from sin. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. But freedom from sin is not a license for us to continue to do things that are in violation of the law of God. For example... In Galatians, the fifth chapter, Paul is talking about various things that we uh, sometimes refer to as being works of the flesh. And, and these people seem to have a big problem with that. And he had talked in verse 1 about the liberty that we have in Jesus. Now in verse 13 he says, For you, brethren, have not been called a liberty, but only do not you, you have been called a liberty, only do not use liberty, that is your freedom, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the, all the laws fulfilled in this one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, so freedom in Christ is not, not the opportunity for us to go out and do anything we want. We are under restriction. Again, you cannot violate God's law, of His moral law, His ethical law, His natural law, His spiritual law, even after you obey the gospel without paying a penalty but we no longer willfully, deliberately love sin and want to be a serpent of the devil. We have freed ourselves from that bondage and we've been made free from sin by the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus also frees men from worry and fear. Paul in 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says he's not given us the spirit of fear. As you know, people fear a lot of things today. One great man once said that we have nothing to fear but fear itself. But we worry and are fearful about lots of things. We worry about everything. Someone said we worry about baldness and bifocals and bulges and bunions. We worry about buying things we don't need with money we don't have to keep up with people we don't even like. Well, you think about it. We worry about everything there is to worry about. We worry about little bitty things. We, we worry about things that haven't happened. We worry about things that have already happened. We worry about things over which we have absolutely no control. We worry about things that have not yet happened. Someone said that worry is having a mental picture of what you don't want to happen. I think that's true. Well, what Jesus will deliver you and free you from worry and fear. Someone says, how is that possible? You have to cast it all at His feet. 
First Peter 5 and 7 says, casting all of your care. That's your anxiety, all your worries, all your fear, all your frustration. Casting all your care on Him. Well, why would I want to do that? Because He cares for you. He wants your burden. man driving a wagon down the road, and he came up on a man who had a pack on his back, and he stopped. He said, Mister, would you like a, would you like a ride? And the man with the pack on his back got in the back of the wagon and they kept on going down the road and the man driving the wagon turned around and he looked and the man with the pack on his back was sitting in the back of the wagon with his pack still on his back. He said, man, why don't you take the pack off and rest yourself for a while? He said, thank you, mister. I didn't know you wanted to carry us both. Jesus wants you and Jesus wants your burden. But we worry about things we do not need to worry about. Let me give you the secret. Let me give you the, the answer to freedom from worry and fear and frustration and, and, and the like. It's found in Philippians, the fourth chapter, and verse number six. And there Paul writes, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. Don't be frustrated about anything. Don't be in a knot about anything. Don't, don't, don't wring your hands about anything. He said, be careful for nothing. But, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made, made known unto God. We don't need to worry about things. We just need to take those worries that we have and we need to turn those things over to the Lord. And let the Lord work them out for us. And we turn them over to Him through prayer and supplication with hearts that are filled with thanksgiving. Well, what would happen if we did that? Verse 7. And the peace of God that, that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word keep is a military term. And it carries with it the idea perhaps of a soldier being stationed right beside you. Can't you just picture a soldier stationed right beside you with his gun in his hand there to guard you from any kind of harm? To protect you? Well, the Bible says that when we turn it over to the Lord... He will keep, He will guard, He will protect our hearts in Christ Jesus. Do you really believe that? You see, Jesus is the one who, who frees us from worry and from fear. But Jesus also frees us from doubt about our salvation. If I were to ask you right now, are you saved, how would you answer that? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I don't really know. I don't know whether I'm saved or not. Is there any way that we can know? Well, well first of all, you, you need to know where, where it's found, where salvation is found. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and 10 said, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is with Jesus. Salvation is not out of Christ. It's to found in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. In order that we might get into Christ, the Bible teaches as believers, we are baptized. 
Listen to Galatians, the third chapter, verses 26 and 27. For, as, for you're all children of God by faith in Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. There was a preacher a number of years ago. He's now deceased and he would teach a lesson on something and he might read something out of the Gospel of John and then he would go over to 1 John and he would say, now how far is 1 John from oh, the Gospel of John? Well, I want to ask you, he meant by that, how close are they in their teaching? And I ask you, how far is Galatians 3, 26 and 27 from Mark 16, 16? You see, in Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth one and is baptized two shall be saved three. But let's go to Galatians 3, 26 and 27 again. For you are all children of God by faith, number one. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, number two, have put on Christ, number three. You see, it's just as simple as one, two, three. And once we have done that, there ought not to be any doubt in our mind. We ought, we ought to be able to say with a blessed assurance, I'm saved and I know it. 1 John 2 and 3 says, Hereby we do know, we know Him, if we keep His commandments. Peter said to make your calling and election sure. You see, we can know we know Him. But we have to do what He tells us to do, to know we know Him. We initially have to obey the gospel. Believe the gospel. Obey the gospel. Live by the gospel. To obey His commandments. Someone says, well, you know, I, I, I believe in Jesus and, and I believe in Him and, and I think sin is wrong and I, and I realize that and I, and I try to do good every day and I try to not do, do bad things every day and I try to stay away from those kinds of things every day. But, but Brother Lambert, I just don't see the need of being baptized. Well, now just suppose I were to tell you I don't either other than that Jesus said to do it. Now, I think I can show you lots of reasons, but just suppose I didn't know those reasons. And just suppose all I know that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That ought to be enough reason right there for me to want to do it. And once I do it, I have hope and assurance that I'm right with God. No condemnation to people that are in Christ, Romans 8 1. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. That is, keep a record of his sins, Romans 4 and 8. And as a Christian, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that blood continually cleanses us of our sin. I want to thank you for watching. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.